we're going to be continuing this morning in our series uh, in the book of Ephesians. We're on this kind of journey, aren't we? Discovering who we are. And um, so we're going to be in Ephesians 4 and a bit into 5 as well this morning. So again, can I just want to welcome all the guys from Cafe Church as well. Why don't we turn and give them a wave? I think they're ready for us. Hopefully, yes, they are. Well done. Brilliant. Have a good one, guys. And um, yeah, so open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and then we're going to be in and around uh, this chapter and into 5 a little bit. Now, guys, I don't know about you. But um, let me put it this way. There's a me and me that I really like. There's a me and me that's a good husband, that's, uh, I think, often a, a caring and kind dad. Um, there's a me and me that likes to be generous and kind and affirming. There's a me and me that's, a, I think, probably an all right colleague, you know, who's hopefully encouraging and my posture is for people and to build them up. Uh, there's a me and me that I really like and I want to be more like. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, yeah. There's a me and me that my wife really, really likes and my kids probably really, really like. But there's also a me and me that's not quite there. There's a me and me that sometimes acts selfishly. There's a me and me that sometimes responds inappropriately. There's a me and me that sometimes thinks weird and wonderful, not, or maybe less wonderful things, you know, and does some things that I'm actually ashamed of. There's a me and me that I don't like very much. And I don't know about you, because you're all such holy, lovely people, but I'm sure you don't have a me and me like that. Do you? Or do you? But I know this, I want the me in me that, I, that is the better version, the more godly version to win ground in my life. And I'm sure it's the same for you as well. And so that's where we're kind of going today. We're going to be looking in the book of Ephesians of the tensions around this issue of putting off the old person and putting on a new person in Christ. Because we've all got some old hanging around, but you know what, how do we get rid of old stuff and negative stuff? We put on something way better, do we not? You know, it's like, you know, there is an incentive, isn't there? Putting on something that is going to benefit yourself and others, suddenly you're like, when you see the benefits, you're like, I want that. Paul, in his uh, letter to the Ephesians and the passages that we're looking at, his posture is that, okay? And uh, that's where we're going today. The Christian life is a lifelong process of putting on the new and getting shot of the stuff that's rubbish. So if you've become a Christian quite recently, it is amazing. It really is amazing. But you are entering into a lifelong journey of jettisoning some stuff and applying and putting on some new. And that's the process. That's discipleship. Actually, that is becoming holy. And that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit today. So turn to chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be kicking off uh, around uh, verse 22. And then we're going to uh, do a bit of uh, jumping and, and, and hopping and skipping as well. Because actually, you know, when 
Paul wrote these letters, they weren't divided up the way that we divide them up into chapter 4 and then chapter 5. This theme runs through this whole lot. And so we're going to cover some ground today. And so there are some gaps. And I want to encourage you this week to look at the gaps and have a look at, you know, some of the highlights that I'm going to draw on. And then also maybe in small group or when you're having coffee with a friend, have a chat about it. Because uh, there's no way we're going to have enough time to go through it all today. But let's read. We're going to start from 422 and then we're going to jump around a little bit. So 422 is coming up on the screen. Paul says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Just turn to one another, just really quickly say, hey, you are new. You're new. And you're a great new. So we're going to do some interaction, okay? You are new. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God uh, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then there's this hinge statement. Are you ready? Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a man, is an idolater. He has, he has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And then we're going to skip forward to verse 15. So be careful. In other words, in the light of all of what I'm saying, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Wow, we've just covered a lot, haven't we? Appreciate, that's like an essay, isn't it? But did you notice that Paul is talking about that we're new people and the newness begins in our thinking? 
There's something going on there, isn't there? In the attitude of our minds that then permeates our speech and our speaking. Because it's a, you know, what's coming out of our lives, what's coming out of what's in here, yeah, comes out here. And so there's, well, our heads actually to uh, maybe our hearts, and then it starts to permeate into how we actually live. And another way of putting it is, God wants, God, we're new people in our heads, in our hearts, and therefore this stuff should start to take shape and affect our habits and our behaviors and how we live. And in verse uh, 5, uh, verse, sorry, in chapter 5, verse 3, it talks about that habits thing. It talks about our bodies, what we do with our bodies, and then it actually says what we put into our bodies. We are new people. Paul's saying, Ephesians, you have become a new people. And then you might be thinking, wow, that's a lot of stuff to deal with. I hope this whole concept of removing and jettisoning some stuff and putting some new things on. There are two sort of, um, I don't know, highlight scriptures in here that are kind of like, um, I don't know, the keys to actually doing this. The first one is that is to do with following. Did you see that? Right in the middle, the hinge is this. We're called to be imitators, followers. We're going to be following an example, a holy example. And then he says, and then there's the filling. So there's a following and a filling. And when we're following and filling, there is a, there is a knock-on effect, and it brings change to our lives, in our heads, in our hearts, and in our behaviors. We should just stop there, shouldn't we? Nah, you don't want to stop there. Let's have a think now. Let's start to, you know, Paul's posture to the Ephesian community is you're a brand new people. And I want you to know that you've been made new when you've come to Christ in your attitude of your mind. There has been a fundamental shift inside your head. You have a new perspective on life. You have a new view. You now have new values that you are operating with. Christ has renewed you. And if you read that little bit there, it says, you were taught to put off your old self to be made new in the attitude of your minds. You've become a new self created to, in other words, now the posture is now in a different direction, created to be like God in true righteousness. Truth is this foundation. It's truth that changes our lives. It's the truth of experiencing Jesus' forgiveness that starts this whole new newness in me and you. Are you with me? 2 Corinthians 5.17. What an amazing statement. It says, if you are in Christ... If you have given your life to Jesus, you are new creations. You have become part of the incredible renewal story that will be fully completed when Jesus comes back. We're part of it. Our heads and our hearts and our bodies are a part of that renewal process now. There is a power at work now operating in his kingdom on earth and we're a part of it. 
and, and it's to change and to become more like him. You see, I don't know about you. You see, this whole thing about truth, is re- we need to get a hold of it. Because birth happens, new birth you know, we, we actually, 2 Corinthians talks about that. And then John chapter 3 talks about you were born again. Birth happens when we come to a place of truth and being true to ourselves and understanding our true situation in the light of who God is. It's called repentance. The birth canal, let's put it this way, the birth canal to new life and new spiritual growth is repentance. We've had a whole bunch of Uh, people uh, who have been giving birth recently in our church. In fact, this week I went to the hospital and had the opportunity to give it Lion King (laughs) over two little babies. It was amazing. I got the chance to give them a hug and pray for them. New life. And I'm looking into the innocence and the purity of a new beginning, a new life. In Jesus, We are brought into that level of innocence and of purity again. The past has gone. That's what he's saying. The old stuff that weighed us down and broke us down, corroded our lives, held us to ransom is no longer. And we are now pure as a little baby. I think people long to start again. I often have conversations with people. They go, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just wind the clock back? We can, in a sense, because the cross has done that. The cross has done that and brought us to a place of truth when we recognize our own stuff in the light of a holy God. And let's be brutally honest, repentance is both painful and and incredibly joyful. Because we realize, oh my goodness, I am sinful and I am a mess and I need help. Suddenly, that's true, isn't it? You're recognizing this? It is a deeply truthful moment. And then suddenly when we experience forgiveness, the truth that suddenly all that stuff is gone, wow, it's like that's the beginning. It's a new start. This is what Paul's getting at. The renewal of the mind starts there. When we get that we have been forgiven and we're clean, we're good, we're fully new. Why on earth would you want to go back if we've got a whole new start? And so it's about maintaining that now. That's what this passage, this posture is kind of around. It's like lean into this. And so the truth of the gospel becomes the foundation for how we are to think. Not think like the world, think through the eyes of what Christ has done for us, from thankfulness. And also the truth about what he says about you and me. We've been singing today, we're kids, we're children of God. We no longer belong to darkness, but we belong to him in light, and we have an eternal promise. We don't live on lies, we live in truth. And so Paul calls us, doesn't he then, for that truth, those big truths, to kind of be pressed down into our core, into our lives, into our values, into our perspective. And he says, get rid of falseness. There's no place. It's not compatible. You know what I mean? It's not compatible with Jesus. False, they all go together. They're like magnets that have been turned around. And it's like, yeah, 
oh, these things just do not work. Why? Because Jesus is full of truth and integrity. And so he's saying, we want this to permeate our lives in all areas. You know, those moments where we, we you know, we, 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 he's saying, put off the moments when we are tempted to twist the truth for our own benefit. You ever had one of those moments? This is the depth of it. Add or add to the truth to make ourselves look a little bit better or to shift the blame. No? Maybe I'm just preaching to myself today because I'm the only person who's a me in me that's not so good. Or to deny the truth when we're confronted with it. <laughs> don't we love that? Yeah, Tor, we love that one, don't we? When you come to me, it's nearly always Tor coming to me going, hey, let me just tell you some truth. And she does it really lovingly. But there's something in us. We don't want to recognize that, do we? We want to be like, whoa, no, blame somebody else. No, embrace it. That's what he's saying. We need to embrace. Paul has been calling, Paul is calling us to embrace the truth and to chuck out lies. We could just park this talk now because there's a whole load that then we would need to respond to. Wouldn't you agree? Jettison. And so we need that truth to permeate our psychology, but it needs to really permeate the seat of our wills, our hearts. And that's what Paul starts to do. He says, you know, he starts to look at that. He's saying, we're moving from head now to heart, and, and he's saying, get rid of a whole load of other stuff. But it's coming out, out of here. What comes out of our mouths, he starts to talk about unwholesome talk, you know, bitterness, anger, rage, slander, malice, and even scrapping, <laughs> brawling. You see what's happening there? It's coming out of this place. You ever been in a situation? I'm sure none of you have ever done this. You ever been in a situation where somebody has said something or done something and you overreact? And, you're, and then you go, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't know that was in me. Anyone? It's there. Because what happens on the out is because there's a seed of something in the in. And so Paul's saying, we need to address the heart, the truth, and the love of Jesus needs to go down into there. These are all attitudes and actions that come up out of us. And so sometimes there are moments, aren't there, if we're really honest with ourselves, our reactions are one that we want. We want to hurt somebody. We want to push back. We want to inflict pain because I don't want the pain. We deflect it. We want to remove something from somebody else, whether it's their reputation or their position or undermine their authority, their trust. We lash out. And in some weird way, we think it's going to help us or make us feel better. And the reality is, does it ever? Really? No. So how do we get rid of them? How do we deal with them? Verse 26, Paul says uh, this really, I want to say it, it's a key principle for Christian living. Doesn't he? he says there, in your anger, now just want to say, he's, in terms of anger, he's saying that He's not saying that we should never not be ever angry. Okay, that's not what he's saying. There is appropriate moments when we can get angry. When there genuinely is injustice. When things are done. You know, when innocence is robbed. People are used and abused. Being, people being taken advantage, of, taken advantage of. And when there's cruelty, whether 
with individuals or systems, there is an appropriate response. Even Jesus got angry when he went to the temple. He saw injustice. There is an, a righteous anger response. Paul is not saying, listen, don't get angry. He says there are moments in life when you will get angry, but don't use that as justifiable sort of uh, motivation to then go and sin and respond inappropriately. Okay? So, so what's going on here, there's two principles in verse 26 um, that what he wants us to get a hold of. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. What is he saying here? Well, he's saying, do not leave unresolved issues left. Now, my friend Stuart, he uh, is a judo instructor. So you're going to see what happened yesterday. You see, and uh, yes. You see, in judo, it's all about getting a grip. constantly looking to get a hold to get hold of to pull us <laughs> off balance and yes thank you you did test <laughs> you know but this is the professionals doing it this is um Stuart doing it with one of his other instructors and this the tenacity to try and get hold to get a grip see everything about this judo moment is that once you've got a grip you pull them off balance and once they're off balance you can throw them and once you've been thrown you can get pinned and you will then submit you see that did you kill that fine <laughs> The lengths we go to do illustrations for talks. But can you see that? If we allow unresolved enemies, then suddenly, you know, it's there. How do we, what do we do there? We've got to defend ourselves. How do we parry those moments? By going to the person that you have an issue with. Do, do not let it fester. Matthew chapter 18, as Jesus is talking with his friends, he's saying, go to them quickly, do not wait. So every time Stuart's going to get me, I'm trying to parry away. That's how we protect ourselves. That's how we put off those things. Let not the enemy get a grip of our lives. Don't give the counter-creative, corrosive attitudes a place. The, the way we stop that happening is not by backing off from them, but actually by running towards them and saying, I'm going to go and deal with this. I'm going to bring truth to this. I want truth. I want to live in truth. I want to respond in truth and kindness. If we don't, then those things will take hold of us. And, the, you know, the, the, the language there, you know, a foothold can easily become a stronghold, can't it? That grip suddenly pulling us off balance, you know, then suddenly Stuart has me. He's got me. We don't want to allow things to move from a grip to a stronghold because when it's a stronghold, you can easily get submitted. 
Jesus, and I think Paul's heart is this. Hey, guys, you've been created for something way more. Don't allow these things to restrict your life. Let's deal with them quickly. Let's be a people. And he talks about we're one, we, we are of one another. We're members of one another. Hey, we have a corporate responsibility to maintain really healthy relationships. And we do it with quick going to those people. And so this, that we do have a responsibility in this. And then Paul says in verse, uh, sorry, in chapter 5, you know, um, he says to combat some, all of this. He says if you have a good example. He's encouraging us there, isn't he? Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He's saying, guys, we don't want to copy the ways of the world. We have this amazing, holy example in Jesus. And as we delve into him, as we get to know him, and as we study him and apply his truths, we are going to become more and more like him. That word um, to imitate comes from the Greek word mimic. And uh, I don't need to say a huge amount about that, but, but I think, um, you know, great actors, don't they? They mimic the characters that they're going to play. So someone like Anthony Hopkins, who played C.S. Lewis in The Remains of the Day, I mean, he studied him, he stepped into him, he interviewed people. It's like they kind of, um, uh, I don't know, um, submerge themselves in that person to become like them. You know, I think Claire Foy, who's been playing Queen Elizabeth in The Crown, she's amazing, isn't she? It's like, gosh, it's like the queen is in the room. It's amazing. She, she's like a method actor. She just submerges herself in. And Paul's trying to get, he's kind of trying to say, we need to submerge ourselves in the life of Jesus. How do we do that? Well, we do that. By spending time with him. And not just reading about Jesus, but giving him room in our lives for us to experience him relationally. Isn't that right? And for his character and his teachings to change us. And, and as Chuck said last week, you know, not just to hear a whole bunch of stuff, but maturity is about putting this into practice. And as we do that, we become more like him. And when we become more like him, the very next bit is this. It says, you know, among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality. And, a whole, and he goes off on a whole list of greed in all of its shapes and forms. You see, when we're pursuing Jesus and we're putting on Jesus, we're becoming like Jesus, suddenly even just that hint of this stuff, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it doesn't fit. And so, you know, the, we've had holes and now we've got hints. A hold can easily become a stronghold and it could easily take us into submission and restrict our lives. He's saying here, you leave a hint and, that, and it's like the hold is coming from external, isn't it? It's like an external moment, but the hint has this internal. It's like, why are you leaving that in your lives? And a hint, the, the root of the word hint or, you know, it kind of has two sort of meanings. One is a bit directional, isn't it? So as a teacher going, talking to a class, she gave the class a hint of what the answer is. It's basically saying, hey, you, you're looking in the wrong direction. I'll give you a little hint. It's over here. It's like directional. The other is about taste 
and ingredients. If you've got a hint of mint, you know, or <laughs> I like that one, eh? You know, that kind of thing. It, it's going to infuse the whole with it. And let's be honest, some spices, you know, a little bit of that, and it's the whole thing, you can taste it. That's what he's getting at here. There are behaviors in our lives. He's saying, don't let, even let there be a hint of it. And the Greek word around this word hint is, it just made me laugh because um, uh, it phonetically it's spelled um, ichnos, itch, no. I just started laughing at that. Why? A hint is a bit like an, in, an itch. You ever got an itch? And once you get an itch, it's like, oh, I'll just, mm, it's there. <laughs> I need to scratch it. You see, a hint left can easily form a habit. And Paul is saying, there's some holes we need to deal with quickly. And there are some hints here that we must deal with and allow God into them, expose them with truth, and let his grace be applied. And then he just takes it up another gear. And uh, we don't do this very often, do we? But can you see that there is a warning in here? The warning is this. If you live with the hint, if you live with it, you're going to forfeit something. That's quite scary. Has any inheritance in the kingdom? Still saying, if you live with the hint, then actually you may forfeit something of the kingdom. Wow. You're going to forfeit something of the power of God in your life. If we're living with the hint, we're living with this stuff, we're allowing it to be in us, then something else will be blocked. And for some of us, we, may, we think sometimes, hey, why isn't God answering prayers? Why am I not seeing a breakthrough? Why actually am I in turmoil and tension? Remember, we were talking about our heads, our heart, and our bodies. Listen, we're holistic people when our heads are not in the game, when our hearts are all over the place, and it creates a tension between the kingdom of God and good and the kingdom of dark and self. There is collision, isn't there? And there is casualties of war. And our, and our bodies, our actual physical bodies can become a casualty. Paul, in, 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 uh, in, in Corinthians, actually speaking to the Corinthian people, says this. He says, you guys are mismanaging the Lord's Supper. You're being selfish, and I've told you, and you're ignoring it, and you're being disobedient. And he actually goes up a level. He says, and this is why some of you are sleeping. He's saying, that's why some of you are ineffective. And then he goes up another gear, and he says, you, you know, because of that, and you're living in it, you're almost bringing judgment upon yourself, and actually some of you have become ill. We don't talk like this, do we? Because we're nice. But the hints of bad practice are not nice to us. They're going to cripple us and break us down and hold us to ransom. And Jesus wants us to be free. So he's got out. Don't let there be a hint of this stuff. We all have it, don't we? Though We've all got a hint. So we're all in the same boat. But listen, Jesus and we apply Jesus' grace and love. He sorts it. And I just want to land on that then. Because the final kind of thing is, we need to be filled. 
we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, change doesn't happen just because we're positive thinkers. Change doesn't happen because we all go to the gym and we're in a routine and we're doing all of this. No, no, no. Change happens because we're not filling our bodies now. And we're not getting drunk on wine that leads to debauchery, leads to other stuff, leads to a messy life. No, 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 no. We're filling our lives and we're being open and saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me and change me. And that's what he's saying. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Sorry, the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs. Listen, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of God comes and dwells in us to make those changes. He is the change agent. We don't have to do it on our own. That doesn't mean we're suddenly we're filled with the Holy Spirit and our life is, becomes a musical. Did you, did you see that? I love you. So we, it's like sing songs to one another and hymns. You don't suddenly walk about going, you know, be thou my vision, tour. You know, some kind of like crazy musical. No, no, what Paul's getting at is that the very thing that you want, that the hints rob, is joy and peace. He's saying, we want to live with joy. We want to live with a new song in our lives. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. And he will make those changes. So let's bring our holds today. Let's bring those hints. Say, Jesus, I want to follow the holy example of your life who, who gave everything. I want to be an open book. Chuck talked about this. An open book. A life that's open. And be filled with your power so that we would live differently.